are there circumstances where you can say, I can probably still trust this individual. This was an extreme situation. Or would you lose that altogether? Depends on your personality, I guess, and your level of patience and sensitivity to human weakness Mm -hmm. and fallibility. You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 85, Lines That Blind. Why should I trust you? Trust in me in all you do. Have the faith I The whole issue of trust to me comes down these days to the amount of information that we have to deal with on an almost hourly basis now, not even daily. Okay, how do you mean? Well, I think that the amount of information that's filtering through to us on a regular basis is compounding the issue of trust because there's so much of it coming from so many different sources that we're not verifying necessarily everything that we read. There's no way to check the source, really. Exactly. Well, not that there's no way, but we don't seem to have enough time in the day to check all the sources of all the information that Mm -hmm, come at us. mm -hmm. And to me, the point is there's a difference between what you believe and what you trust. And I think there's a confusion that arises from all this information Especially given the fact that the algorithms at play are feeding you with the same information based on your particular practice or your usage. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's reinforcing your own thoughts and feelings all the time. Right. You never get the sense that you're getting simply neutral information. It's Mm -hmm. always colored in some way Mm -hmm. or there's an agenda underneath it. Right. So you begin to believe something. And if you believe in something long enough... You begin to trust it. Or you go the opposite way. Right. You say, there's an agenda here. I'm not going to believe it or trust it, and I'm just going to let it go. But that brings me to the question Mm. we should sort out, which is, what is the difference between trust and belief? Because they're not exactly the same thing. No, they're not. Right? How How would you try to get at the difference? I would describe it as belief is something that you've amassed over time, a feeling based on your experiences and so on. But I think the basis for trust has to come on actual fact. Uh huh. So one is a bit more neutral. Trust is more, the history is this, and therefore I can trust that the future will be mm-hmm. similar. And belief is more an emotional investment I think a lot of it's also based on who we are, our temperaments, our own personal experiences. We tend to believe things based on what we experience, not just on what we hear. Right, Right, so there's direct experience belief and there's indirect or no experience belief, as in, I believe China exists because I've been told so, I've seen images, Mm -hmm. and I have no reason to not believe it. Mm -hmm. But you've never actually been there or touched it or experienced it yourself. Exactly. So it's a kind of blind trust that our fellow human beings Mm -hmm. are actually, for the most part, telling us the truth of the experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've been to China. It exists. These are the characteristics of the Chinese, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't, in a sense, need to go there to know that it actually exists as a fact. Mm -hmm. But it is a belief. Yes. We, We don't have direct experience of it. That's right. And in fact, most of our life is indirectly experiencing the world, 
How many of us actually get to travel around the world and, world and have all these experiences, et cetera? Nobody, 100%. Right? Yeah, right. Mm. So, well, And a big part of this now is our daily life with yeah. and the preponderance of media using, i.e., Facebook and other platforms which are bombarding us with information from every angle and every idea. Yeah. So you have more difficulty sometimes differentiating fact Mm -hmm. from idea or fiction. And also intention. Mm -hmm. His intention underlies all these communications. So in the case of politics, what you have are politicians having been elected, not getting on with the jobs as much as continuing their campaign, Mm -hmm. the campaign rhetoric. So for example, with Mr. Trump, every public event he has it's not the president talking about the world and America and what we're doing and how good it is so much as a campaign rally. He carries on rallying as if that's the way he's going to keep his support base alive. Well, because essentially what you're doing from the first moment you're elected, you're already working towards being reelected. That's it. And they trust him. There's trust. And talk about blind trust. There's a certain blindness there in the face of all of these accusations and lies and all these things that have been put in front of his base, and they still continue to trust him. Why? Because they don't trust all the other communications about Mm -hmm, him. mm -hmm. Or the ideas of the opposing party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not even ideas. It's ideology of. Exactly. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this story once many podcasts ago, but that I took a trip with a fellow from Serbia. Mm. And uh, we talked about the Croatians and that relationship. And he said, well, we just don't trust them. We grow up to hate them. And I said, has any Croat done anything to you to make you hate? And he said, no, we just learn it. It's just part of our DNA as we grow up to mm-hmm. hate mm-hmm. these other people, to not trust. And it's interesting that you brought up past podcasts. That reminds me of the one we did on pet peeves. Mm -hmm. What gets your craw, as we were talking about at the time. That's one of mine. What is? This predisposition to generalize about race, color, way of living, Mm -hmm. um, and so on, and make judgments not based on their personal experience, but based on what is perpetuated out there. Tommy, Don't speak to strangers. Mm -hmm. That immediately says you cannot trust someone you don't know. And you just sounded like a parent there, which to me is a topic to discuss right there about trust and where we learn it from. Yeah. Oh, sure. Parents are major models. But I'd also like to bring in the idea of respect because trust Mm. and respect tend to kind of go hand in hand, right? Sometimes it starts with trust and becomes respect. Sometimes maybe the other way around. Mm -hmm. But just to clarify, respect is more kind of recognizing the talents and wisdom of another human being. I respect that they've done this work and that they have this wisdom, etc. Their ability. Yeah, trust is more, I'm going to trust that they're going to do something, mm-hmm. perhaps, or follow through on something. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to parents, parents, they say, respect your parents, respect your elders to kids. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to strangers, don't trust, but respect your parents. But in a certain respect, your parents are strangers mm-hmm. until they're not. And why, as a child, should I respect a stranger, quote unquote, mm-hmm. who happens to be called dad or mom, automatically? 
Mm-hmm. What clears them of that particular hurdle? Why don't they have to earn it like everyone else? Exactly. Just because their genes are connected. Right. Why don't you also give it in return? Sure. Respecting your children. Absolutely. As having some wisdom, innate wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know? And even if they don't have wisdom, responding to their questions, responding to their feelings as if they're worthy of it. It's not just a matter of experience and intelligence because they're in the process of gaining all of that. Sure. It also brings us to the fact that we live in the digital age. Children more and more are being subjected to the technology of digitization, cell phones, computers, etc. Mm-hmm. And parents are becoming more and more concerned about their children and computer technology. They're not trusting that the children can figure it out or be okay with it. Right. So there's kind of a dialogue about trust going on with technology itself, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. So before you jump all over your children, perhaps it's time you learn a little bit more about the technology and and its capabilities and what it's doing and what they're actually accessing. Mm -hmm. Now, the big challenge today, of course, is I think most of us, or certainly a good portion of us, are on overload generally. So it's easy to sit here and say what should or shouldn't happen, but in a practical sense, it's very, very difficult for people to be able to do all those things. But there's trust in that too. But now we're moving towards self-trust because Mm -hmm. you deal with lots of people who are having difficulties with technology. Mm -hmm. And it's partly because, I would guess, they don't trust their own ability to learn it or to go into it or have patience with it. Mm -hmm. So they turn it over to you. Trust in everyday life, I think, is extremely important. I'm still working on that. Um, the ability to really trust yourself and the people around you. If you've been raised in an environment where trust was not preeminent, you can be very misguided and also have a very difficult time doing. And I think it's critical to healthy living. Mm. But trust with a certain vigilance and an ability to think for self as well. Well, look, I mean, when you drive your car, Mm -hmm. you're trusting that the people in the other cars also want to get home safely Mm -hmm. or get wherever and that they're not going to suddenly veer into your lane just because. Mind you, every now and then I'm passing a car and I'm thinking, ooh, what if this is the one in a million person who's having a depressive attack and is suicidal and has decided to end it right now by veering their car into my lane? Right, or has had too much to drink or is falling off at the wheel. Right. I've had those thoughts too. In fact, to me, it's amazing given the number of people that populate a specific area, the amount Mm. of ongoing activity, and I mean this everywhere, in cars, in airplanes. Sure. It's amazing how relatively small the number of accidents or serious developments that arise. Yeah, and that's within a context of trusting Mm -hmm. that the pilot can pilot the plane properly and has been properly trained, Mm -hmm. trusting that the baggage people aren't there to steal your stuff, trusting the dentist is going to take the right tooth out. You know, Mm -hmm. we trust every single moment of the day in some form or other Mm -hmm. that our fellow human beings are benevolent, let's say. Yes, Right? And what happens if the person you trusted betrays your trust in some form. What happens then? I know you asked me the question the other day, would I continue to trust this person or would I forgive them? And I think my answer was no. They would have to really work hard to regain my trust. In the same way that with an animal, Mm. it takes a long time to gain their trust, but it takes just a 
a snap of the wrong decision or hurting them in some way or scaring mm -hmm. them in some way. And that trust is a long way from coming back. Box, box. So what's your story? I don't know if this has happened to you, if you've had a partner who has betrayed you and cheated on you, but it is important for you to get a full picture of the person. Is this a person, like somebody said to me yesterday, we are 22 years together, you know, and I love him still. Why? Because he was fantastic to my ailing mother. He was really great with my not too great father. He has been a wonderful brother. He's a wonderful boss. He's been an amazing father and he has cheated. How do you combine those two things? You see, I think that so often we want to take this behavior and now reduce the entire person to just that. And we want to protect ourselves with that. We want to say, this will never happen to me again. I won't let that happen to me again. And the fact is, affairs happen in good marriages, in good relationships, in bad relationships, in open relationships, even in relationships in countries where people can be killed for having an affair. They happen. And then it's for you to deal with the loss of trust in terms of not just, will he do this again, but can I trust what I'm sensing? Can I trust my intuition? And that is the process of recovery that often is overlooked. You won't find the trust and the reassurance by trying to peg the other person into a box. You will find it by gradually learning to see and to interpret what you're seeing differently. And if you feel certain things again, this time you know. Often they did it because this was a choice, sometimes a poor choice, but a choice to express a dissatisfaction with you, with the relationship, with the fact that they wanted out, with the fact that they were stuck. That doesn't define them as cheaters, that defines them as people who chose a rather lousy way to communicate certain things for which they need a better language. Box, box. Are there circumstances where you can say, I can probably still trust this individual, this was an extreme situation, or would you lose that altogether? Depends on your personality, I guess, right. and your level of patience and sensitivity to human weakness mm -hmm. and fallibility. So I think it's very normal for people to no longer trust once the trust has been betrayed. Yeah. Okay? But I believe that there's a lot of stuff in between yeah. which might affect mm -hmm. that being completely unequivocal. Well, sure. Here's my example is uh, I had a friend who's passed away now and I worked for him for a number of years mm -hmm. and deferring my salary because the business was just kind of getting going and trying to make it and then it folded. And he had promised me he'd cover those wages, mm -hmm. around $20,000, right. I guess, and never did, which chewed at my craw for yep. years and years. And I would kind of hint to him, because he was a friend too, hint to him that this was promised, et cetera. And he just wouldn't go there ever again. And then he died. Right. And I basically stopped my relationship with him because I felt betrayed I thought his word was good as a friend, mm -hmm. and it turned out not to be ultimately. But it hurt a lot. Would you have felt different if he had come to you and said, look, I don't like this any more than you do. These are the circumstances that I find myself in, but I will make amends. Would you have treated that situation differently? Yeah. He may not have given you the result that you wanted, mm -hmm. but he was at least willing 
Sure. Uh, but, you know, we expect people to treat us the way we would treat them in general, right? Mm -hmm. Treat other people the way you'd like them I to agree. treat you. Yeah. And if the situation was reversed, I'd find every way possible to at least partially begin to make amends, pay back that Restitution, debt. yeah. Even if small little dribbles, right. I would have thought, okay, he's making an effort, but he didn't at all. So that's an example of trust being betrayed and me not being able to kind of be big enough, let's say, okay, I forgive this, I'm going to forget about it. Just let it go. The other thing I want to talk about is the idea of tradition. Yep. We trust the past, trust tradition. Tradition is sacred, which means the past is sacred. What we've done yesterday and months and years ago is something that should carry on into the future. I would say not necessarily. You know? Well, yeah, but then you wouldn't be looked upon kindly in many, many communities in many countries, especially traditional communities, who have had 300 years or more of rituals, of yeah. ceremonies, yeah. of traditions that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. How dare you question that? Well, well, my point would be that that may not be appropriate. For example, you may have a tradition that you ran for 200 years under very, very different circumstances. If the circumstances today no longer fit mm -hmm. certain aspects of that tradition, I'm not saying that you should kibosh it, but you should have the opportunity to at least discuss it and see if it's feasible to continue that tradition in a positive form. Yeah, it's interesting because here's an example of that. Mm -hmm. There's a motto. The motto of the United States of America mm -hmm. is, in God we trust. Oh, yeah. And it appears on coins and on bills, yep. in their currency, etc. It is the motto of the United States. And there have been several attempts over the last 10, 15 years to legally force the government to take that phrase off of the money, etc., because it implies that the church and the state have not been separated, mm -hmm. that they're advocating for a particular religion over mm -hmm. all the other religions, Absolutely. which runs against the Constitution, etc., etc. Yeah. So this phrase, in God we trust, it's been taken to account, but never actually been overturned. To me, that's very questionable, and I completely understand why people would argue that, because there are so many other things implied in accepting that. Mm -hmm. It's not only just church and state. It comes down to definitions, too. Who defines God? Yeah. If you're an atheist, does that mean you're not an American, if that's the motto of exactly. the United States of America? Exactly. Where are you if you're an agnostic or an atheist mm -hmm. or a Buddhist or anything else other than a Christian who believes in Christian God? Yeah. You're Jewish. I'm Catholic filled with hypocrisy. Sure, of course. Now, not everybody would agree with me. I would question any religion. Mm -hmm. It's not just about what is expressed. It's actually about what you see. For me, when we talk about trust, it's very easy for people to say things. Mm -hmm. But is what they're saying being supported by what they're doing? Well, a lot of the time, it's not about what they're doing, but it's what they trust their church or their religion is doing. Because what religion basically says is, trust me, there's this scripture, there are these stories, and trust that they're true, that they happen. These are the fundamentalists, right? Trust that. Okay. And then trust in Jesus or Buddha or whoever it is that is the Godhead. Mm -hmm. Trust that they're benevolent, that they're looking out for us in some way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. that there's salvation to be had because of them. 
that they are everywhere, they're omnipresent. Trust, 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 which basically becomes belief. I believe it. God exists. Okay. You're of the Jewish faith. You've been taught certain things. I don't know how much or to what degree. Have you ever had an experience in your life where you questioned some of those teachings? Oh, I questioned them from the get-go. Right. And, you know, by the time I had my bar mitzvah, I was ready to just leave the whole thing behind because I just felt there was a, a sense of hypocrisy about expecting young people especially mm. to mouth the words of the scriptures without actually really knowing what right. they say, what exactly. they mean. Exactly. No, no, just say this because it's part of the ritual, the tradition. Mm -hmm. Tradition, tradition, da, 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 tradition, right. right? Sacred tradition. My point is this, that the only good thing about tradition is that it saves you the trouble of reinventing yourself every day, every moment of your life, yes. of reinventing your culture, your exactly. community. It saves you from having to be a creative being in the moment, building something new constantly, yes. rather than looking back and dragging the old baggage. So as much as I appreciate and respect tradition, I don't agree with the complacency that often comes with it. Well, yeah. And also, I don't respect the fact that tradition is filled with blood. Right. The past is a bloodbath in mm -hmm. so many ways, and we're supposed to somehow respect that, respect that history as being mm -hmm. somehow important to us, that we need to hold it close to us. You right, know? and you're talking about something that's very visceral and very evident. You know, yeah. violence is something that everybody can immediately respond or react to, right? So I would even go to the opposite end of that spectrum and go to the pleasure side. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, good things happen, too. In no, no, but the denial of, of pleasure, to me, it can be equally destructive to the inclusion of violence. Okay? Right, right. Obviously, one is more in your face, and you have to deal with it right away. But right. denial of pleasure over a lifetime. So, for example, as a Catholic, even as a young kid, uh -huh. uh, I could not wrap my head around that a priest had to be celibate his entire life. Right, in order to be godly. Yeah, it just didn't seem natural based on what I was experiencing even then. Yeah. What if we didn't trust ideology X, religion Y? Yes. What if we just lived our lives day to day, experienced directly what we experience, yep. and responded to it without bringing the past, tradition, our history, the history of our emotional responses to things. What if we could come at life fresh every day rather than trusting in that the world is going to give us whatever we've expected in the past? I ask myself that question all the time. And what is your answer? I tend to look at life that way. I really try to separate myself from those lines when I can, as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So whenever I hear someone who communicates in a very conclusive manner, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as opposed to, this is what I believe, and this is why, and mm -hmm. this is how I formulated this opinion, and here's the basis of what I'm thinking, versus, this is that's it. the way it is, and that's the way it'll always be. Trust me, I know. Right. Trust is great, but I would suggest that not trusting, not giving over your trust so easily is a way to go to become an individual that thinks for yourself, decides for yourself right. things, and, and treats life in unique ways day to day, not based upon history, tradition, and trusting that. Yeah. Here, this is a great example of trust right here, you and I. We mm -hmm. come into these podcasts. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what the other is going to say. I trust that you're going to 
partake in this conversation. <laughs> and being like an idiot every now no, and then. No, no, that we're going to be able to kind of flow, but I'm not relying on you, nor are you relying on me Yeah. to create the final product. Right. We trust, we, we, trust, trust, we trust each other. We trust ourselves that we're going to spark and uh, come up with some thoughts and ideas that are worthy of the name. Do you trust more or less now than you did 30, 40 years ago? Less. Oh, yeah. A lot less. Why? Because of technology, because of the internet, because of the swampland of information that is thrown around like it's gold dust when it's really just dirt. <laughs> it's just sand or it's mist. It's, there's nothing there. So I trust less and less. As people try harder and harder to impress, I tend right. to get less and less impressed and trust. So do you think a lot of things are fundamentally lacking in substance? Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. The whole issue of trust and respect is being struck at by the way that we live now. Right? Despite all the technology which keeps us connected, yeah. we're becoming more isolated. Yeah. Technology that we trust is supposed to bring us closer together is actually not really doing that, ultimately. We have to almost push that technology away. Or, I would say, not necessarily push it away, but redefine it. Use it as a tool, which is what it should be used yes. as, and not as, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It shouldn't run our lives. Yeah. It's not like a social obligation yes. to disappear into your technology every day for hours and hours and hours. It's just a tool to use right. that you might use for hours, but not necessarily lose yourself in. Yeah, and I would bring something else in that we haven't discussed simple energy and fatigue. I really believe that we are, as a society, being fatigued and de-energized by this pounding yep. of yep. one sort or another, yep. which no longer gives us the energy required to even reflect or think. When we talk about not being able to respond to something, oftentimes it's just because we're too tired. And you know, that's a basic brainwashing technique. Yes. Just to tire the person out, deprive them of sleep. Wear them down. Bombard them with nonsense, information that means nothing. Could be just music or sound or rock and roll, whatever it is that the, the torturer brings to bear, the brainwasher brings to bear. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you break, which means you basically agree with everything they want you to agree on. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of in a weird way where we're at here. Yes. Where people don't have the ability, as you say, the ability to stand up think for themselves, and make a decision about it. Which is trusting self. Trusting self. Which is critical yeah. to trusting others. Exactly. And we're going to trust that we're going to find a way to end this podcast. <laughs> we're going to trust that you, the listener, have gotten enough out of this podcast that you're going to respond to it on our websites. Do you trust what we're telling you? At thesill.com <laughs> and leave a trustworthy comment. Are we full of it or do we know what we're talking about? On our audio button. Just press the audio button. Audio button, that's right. And we've gotten some uh, audio response, responses to our Al Jolson. Al Jolson, yeah. And some Al Jolson. California, here I come, right back where I started from. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> That's it. That's my contribution. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's raining, have no regrets because 
It isn't raining, rain, you know, it's raining violets. See ya. Ciao, Harry. Only a few me. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Mm-hmm.